Lord, that I can do. You will make something in the Holy Spirit. You will come. You will be right to the Lord God. You will do something to speak to our hearts. But we hope that you're going to learn this today. And it's not to be that they are children that claim God that you will protect them and listen to them, give them divine opportunities to live their things that you will tell them that that's the truth to you. And so, God, we need you this morning. We have to be speak to them. We have to be able to speak to them. Amen. I've been in this series called Humility is Key to the Kingdom, and we're just been talking about different aspects of humility. Today, uh, I want to pull together what I believe um, is, is one of the, uh, I think, the major features of the walking in humility, walking in humility, and how those are tied together. All of the kingdom principles, and we've been talking about this as we have gone through this series, all of the, uh, the kingdom of God principles, I believe, are found. And receive in a place of humility, a place of a humble heart, and we, you know, we become a Christian, and we put our hope and our trust in the hands of Jesus and give our lives to Christ. However, when we feel asking Jesus to give our hands, repenting and turn from our sin and turn to Him, it begins in a place of humility. We have to humble ourselves, realize that we cannot save ourselves, we put our hope and our faith and our trust in the gospel of Jesus. And so it's realizing that we need Him, and I believe that all people. Principles of the kingdom of the that we get those revelations in place of humility. So, I want today to talk about specifically about how to tie the humility and spiritual worship and walking in the kingdom. You know, I have my bad address here, hopefully, and it is what it is, but uh, I, was, uh, I was getting it together last night and got it fit because it really would have been kind of deflating by just one of my favorite dreams or something. Um, but I'm really glad we are in two of this stuff with some of the other people who are in the same time. They don't have to be able to do this. They don't have to be able to do this. They don't have to be able to do this. They don't have to be able to do this. They don't have to be able to do this. They don't have to be able to do this. They don't have to be able to do this. But we are, the reason why we're just as a visual, we speak to our hearts that we are in this spiritual battle. We are in. A spiritual battle. Again, from the very foundation, I said this before. Um, why humility is just so important is because the antithesis of humility is at the very beginning. The reason why the, the enemy Satan, Lucifer, who was an angel that was God, the reason why he was booted out of heaven by God was because of pride. He wanted to place the people of God in God. And in Isaiah 14, we have but him saying, I will ascend to the throne. I will make my name great. In other words, he wanted to supersede God's position, take God's place. And going against God is a bad plan, and God has to go to the and a third of them to be able to be monitored. And so he's casting the earth and pride. He's casting the earth and pride. Jesus leads all of heaven with humility to come to be a place in a place of humility who humbles himself. And so the cure for pride, the cure for all sin, is humbling ourselves. And so we have it at the very beginning. I believe that that day is. One of humility is so important. And the enemy of this battle is against God's most precious creation. God's most precious creation was people. And so the enemy will battle against us. It's important to consider as we begin here. Number one is we are in battle. Make no mistake about it. We are in battle. Spiritual warfare is very real. There is a very real enemy. 
Uh, we aren't born into a medley field with flowers. Spiritually speaking, we're more born at Normandy Beach. That's more of a realistic idea of what's going on in the spiritual realm. Not that there are times of peace, and we have times of peace, but there is a battle for our hearts and our souls by the enemy. There's a battle for the hearts and souls of people in our area. That is why the church exists here, and we exist to, um, to walk with God ourselves, to put our hope and our faith, to trust in the gospel of Jesus, and then to spread that good news to the people that are in our sphere of influence. There's a battle for our hearts and souls. Couple of passages of If you weren't convinced that we were in the spirit of matter, this is what Peter says. He says, Tell the Lord, wants you to go great anymore. The devil. He prowls around with a warning line, looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family believers all over the world is going to the same kind of suffering that you are. And then Jesus with the famous passage that he focused to do it. Put on all God's armor that you'll be able to stay from against all the strategies of the devil, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood, nor all spirit of against, but against the evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers of the dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor that you'll be able to resist the enemy. So we do this. Do you put it on you? He's still at the time. Let's give it up for Johnny. He's got it. He's got it. 
we don't wage with the world and the weapons we come to as the nation that is the war on the country, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. That's exciting news. In trouble, we can have weapons that will demolish strongholds. Those things that we bow with, that we can walk in, and we demolish arguments with every pretension and, and really the world that is human reasoning. Human reasoning. There's been several people that have written books and talked about the, the battleground that begins in the mind of the Bible. How we, we, we play over these things and the world who's worried comes out of not knowing or wondering what people are doing or, or thinking of scenarios that I have no control over or, or lies that we believe. But it begins in the mind and there's a battleground for the minds of God's people. And that is why he specifically talks about the demonic arguments, human reasoning that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. What do we believe about God in the first place? What do we believe about God? What do we believe that, that, that He says about us? Who am I in Christ? Do I really believe the promises of God and who I am and my identity in Jesus? And then we take to every thought that is the battleground of mind and gets into the beating of Christ. Begin that human reason, anger, revenge, justification, and the excuses of believing lies. We do read the promises from Scripture about battle, right? You hear the Old Testament where God was fighting for His people, God fought for them. We never pray that God please fight this battle for me. It's a good prayer. We pray that we hear things about God fighting for us, and that we're more than conquerors. I mean, like to hear these things. You, you hear words like freedom, purpose, abundant lives, and Jesus and us. I can give you life to the place. We hear the word freedom being, but we don't feel much like we're walking in the way We feel defeated or we're barely getting by or we're treading water. So that's someone who walks with the Lord. And here's the key. That's what we would say. The key. Walking with the freedom of what Jesus said. So, who said to free? So, the concept of freedom would be clear to you. Folks, we have to know that freedom comes from Jesus and That's the promise to Jesus. And he's saying, all freedom, walking in freedom, walking away from, from all of the battles and the things that are available to us to walk in freedom. We have to, first of all, realize that. Freedom is found in Christ alone. He said that the concept of freedom will be free indeed. Multiple words. He doesn't just break it down. But what does it mean for the son to step in free? The question is what we're going to talk So we can't and won't be totally free without the son of Jesus. Living for Jesus completely. God thought that was for the Israelites when they were following him. When they were doing things first way. First thing they found them living by following Christ. And it's in this place we find the weapons that we are able to fight with, the weapons that we have to come and fight with, to demolish the strongholds. So, what are our weapons? What is the arsenal against the enemy to destroy strongholds? Let's look at this. And run to these very quickly. Some of these might be so obvious and really simple, but I'm telling you, we, we, we have to take it ourselves to death and we can do it. 
is another powerful weapon to give you Who do you need to forgive today? Who do you need to forgive when if there's someone in your life that maybe you maybe you have maybe you somewhat like like push them onto the side you and don't think about them anymore, but can I use forgive Jesus said that we should forgive people from the heart. Not to make moments, but from the heart. And that doesn't mean that we, we trust people completely. Forgiveness is trust for completely different things, but to, to, I'm telling you, to activate that forgiveness in my life, to activate the forgiveness of Christ in my life, I must be forgiven of those Jesus said that we forgive. If you refuse to forgive, my Father will not forgive you. Remember what you have been given and forgiven of, and it's been that forgiveness. And so, forgiveness, holding on to many forgiven people, you guys probably heard this in a moment, it's like drinking poison to hold on to another person dies. Because what happens is bitterness comes in and you're done. And, and hoping for, you know, I'm hoping that somehow that you not forgiving and gets even with you, and it will only, that will only be a cancer to your throat. And that's what we have to give up to the Lord and say, God, I'm going to use your heart to feel. I don't feel like it. It's away from my emotions, right? It's not tied to your emotions. It's when you're willing to feel like it, especially if you don't like them, emotions are going to be fine. But where I'm going to make a conscious decision in my heart to forgive them. Jesus, I can look at the cross and I remember what I have to make of the sacrifice to make for me. I remember forgiveness because you and no one else still is forgiving stuff. And it doesn't matter what they do, what they promise to do, they need to do it. It's a powerful weapon for the heart. And that's how it's been weapon to find it. And that doesn't mean, again, that you will have ongoing relationships with that person. But also, who do you need to be reconciled to? Who do you need to need reconciliation of feeling in your relationship with to make things clear? It's a powerful weapon. It's all of these things that we have to try again. Refusing to repent, we will live in bondage, refusing to confess to every day of God, refusing to forgive the care of the church. But you can see how the stronghold of the enemy and the weapons of the enemy will be successful by not walking in these things. And then there's another one that goes to number one here, please, just stay up and read the word of the person. Talk is important, yet he's not looking for you to have these poor religious prayers. She's looking to rebuke the Pharisee teacher, and you've got to watch that prayer around, and you've got to pray, and you don't want to allow them to tell you to the food they get into the food, so don't pray about that. Talk to God. Tell Him what you need. Have a relationship with God. Read the Word. The Word, again, the Word is a, is a powerful weapon, as we even talked about, you know, in the Word of God, when we look at that moment. Reading the Word. Praying. So then, those weapons, the focus of the Christian is to be a Christian, but the Against the difficult thing that we need to God's going to be able to resist the enemy and everything. Then after the battle will be standing, I'm telling you, we're going to be on the belt of truth. The belt of truth. You know, that belt, you know, and Paul is really 
kind of this Roman guard, you know, kind of look when he's talking about the army. The belt, the belt was holding everything else in place. It was not like a belt that we have today that you can hold the pants up. This, this belt is thankful to holding everything in place. And it's interesting to talk about the belt too. But deep, it's interesting. That's what you would say about something in mean, the way that you see in the life. The Holy Spirit testifies the truth of He is the one who is the truth of God relative to what you are saying. Truth is relative to what philosophers are saying in front of this building, or what politicians might call it, or what other people truth is that only Christ alone, He is the one and only truth. He's the standard of truth. And this world is the truth. And that's why the belt of truth is simple. It's a part of our arsenal is that we walk in who He is, and the truth is the truth of His word, and the word of God, and it, it is. It is over me, not me, over it. Jesus is the truth. And he talks about the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate of righteousness. It's interesting because he called it the way to Jesus Christ. The fact that we can move quickly around. It's saying, it's, 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 it's saying, my goodness is not good enough. That's why we need to vision. My goodness is not good enough. My good works are good enough. So I put my faith in my trust and righteousness to Christ. And so it guards my heart. The first place would guard the heart of Oregon by the heart. And so, yeah, my heart is guarded from your righteousness. It's not in my own merit, but it's the righteousness of Jesus. The work of the cross, without me, I have no faith. His righteousness, not mine. He talks to us, he was a king. That he would be good in you, but that he would be fully prepared. And it's interesting how the truth of his walking in the truth is a great weapon. He's doing those against the world and fear and anxiety. And I love that Paul could write, he said, You need to say nothing. And we're like, How do you do that? He's walking in God's peace, walking in the peace. Jesus himself is the prince of peace. Who he is. The sovereignty of God is to people. It's who he is and it's who I am. I'm a child of God. It's to make the truth of the truth of the truth of peace to be in me and walk in peace. Then we talked about the fear of faith. Paul writes that without faith it's impossible to please God. Not faith in faith, but faith again in who he is. That no matter what the circumstances, no matter if it's bad or otherwise, that my hope is in him. That is faith. I don't have to listen to the enemy. Faith is my fear to extinguish the fiery darts because he throws those darts at me. And sometimes it's about who you are and it's that you're no good and that, 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 that your past sin is, is, is in front of you. God would never forgive you for that. So what he told is he told Adam and Eve, he prostrated him out of you. And, and take matters into your own hand. Do your own job. Meet with your fire does. And it's the field of faith that, that extinguishes those mistakes. And hey, I'm not going to listen to who you are. I'm going to listen to who God is. And it's faith in Him. doesn't matter if my circumstances are bad, good, or otherwise. My faith and my hope is in Him. The battle's real, but my God is greater. He's greater than my pain. He's greater than my circumstances. He's greater than my consequences. He's greater than my past. That's why Paul could say, I'm pressed, but not crushed. Right? He acknowledged the battle is real. I'm being pressed. But because of God, I'm crushed. I'm persecuted, but He didn't abandon me. I might be struck down, but not destroyed. Because my God, I'm not going to be 
and that place is full of desperately need your love and and naturally sexual violence and, and all of those things are so different. It's a humility that you find that it's right. I can't save myself. That's an act of humility. That's a, that's a confession of humility. To say that I need the word of God is to say that I, I must humble myself and, and do what it says and, and to, to confess my fault to one to another. That's a humility. To repent and admit that I'm a sinner takes humility. To forgive others, it takes humility. To be saved and put the holy salvation to do it and saying I can't save myself. That's humility. My own righteousness, my own goodness is not good enough. That is humility. I can't walk in my own peace. I can't make up my own peace. I have to walk in his peace and participate. That is humility. It's saying I desperately need of him. I can't do it by myself. And all of these weapons, I must humble myself in order to operate in them. I can't define my own truth, but I fully rely on his humility. So my artful weapons and my spiritual battle can only be found in you and the place of the world. Students, we take control in the area that 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 doesn't really indicate the feelings of wrongdoing. And that's why I believe that humility is so important in our spiritual battle. And ultimately, through this confidence that God has given us to the community. He left all of them, the king of kings, the Lord of the world. He left heaven for you. He came on the greatest rescue mission in the world. Because we could not stay like that, he left all of them. He humbled himself before a woman in a stable, a lowly place. He wasn't being down to earth with a crown and, 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 and a white horse to take over. He was going to do that one day. But when he came the first time, he was in a place of humility. He became a person. In fact, a baby, learning how to talk, and he humbled himself to, to run him through the way to grow up, and he didn't do all the temptations because he wanted to be our redeemer and know our fully. He was said that you don't have to help him to just understand our temptations because he was tempted in all ways except he did not sin. And then Philippians said that this great act. Because of his great love for me, he humbled himself and became a criminal step on the front, the most empty human being that has ever lived. Not only to be humbled, because he had been that he didn't his life, so he humbled himself. And then there's the words that he humbled himself to death, but then he lived to him. He took his life back again, and he defeated death. He did not stay there. He humbled himself to death, but he came back to life. And God raised him up and gave him the name that had been done all the name instead of the name of Jesus that he knew was God. And he told him his best that Jesus Christ the glory. So now that we feel we have the opportunity on this side to follow our need and to all heart and humility to receive his grace and his mercy to receive the weapons of the workers to defeat the strongest of the enemy, but we must humble ourselves before him. Every new year, we're going to do it here, or we're going to do it there, or every new year's going to come. How long is the time for the Lord who will live in our blessing? We stand here. 
again. We just come up with our things we love and love and create and we can thank you God that we can save ourselves. But there's none of us that are good enough. But our collective goodness, even as humanity, is not good enough. But you gave us the famous prophet to my mother and you gave your love to the rest of us who can live and you can give us love to the And Lord, we are born into a world of war and we